This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The 2022-23 Premier League season is nearly upon us. And just like every season before it, three newly promoted sides enter the fray with one express goal. And that's to finish 17th or higher. And this year's crop of ascending teams have all been here before. Fulham and Bournemouth still fresh in the memory for casual Premier League viewers, having bounced back from recent relegations. While Nottingham Forest, an EPL founding member, are finally back for the first time this century. Will this be a fleeting flow? with the top flight or can these three teams stand the test of time in one of the most competitive leagues in Europe I'm delighted today. I'm joined with James and Michael LaHood to discuss all of that and more Kegolasso begins right now this is the last week to nominate Kegolasso for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards we appreciate all you guys do for us and we hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round to nominate Kegolasso go to podcastawards.com forward slash app forward slash sign up forward slash and then toggle down to the sports category it doesn't take long and it helps us so so much so link in the description guys how are we doing James delighted to be back on with you chatting at Premier League promoted sides once again what's new um I mean like absolutely nothing is new at all I have to say I mean like I don't you mean Forrest haven't signed like a raft (laughs) of new players since we spoke (laughs) I imagine that they have um already like turfed out all those beloved young club icons (laughs) to make room for some middle-aged Portuguese midfielder Mm. um yeah I've got I got some takes on Forrest folks Strap in. Yeah, that's all sounding very Wolverhampton <laughs> Wanderers-esque. Michael LaHood, how are you doing, my friend? It's good to be back with the two of you. It felt like too long. JJ, you and I got reacquainted. Benj, always a pleasure because of your shirts and always, obviously your takes. Yeah, that shirt wouldn't have looked out of uh, place on the Mexican beaches you were sunning <laughs> yourself on, would it, Mike? No, no. It's a total sidebar. When I went up to Austin over the weekend for uh, work with Austin FC, one of the players, instead of saying hello, he said, uh, hey, you look a little sun-kissed. And I thought, you know what? I'll take what you can get. At least someone notices. 
<laughs> we all noticed. Don't worry. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's get straight into it. And given that James has a few takes on Nottingham Forest, we'll lay the floor down to him first uh, to open up on the tricky trees. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the club with all eyes on them this season, uh, the return of a giant of English football. For those of our listeners that don't know, that weren't alive in the 1970s, I think 1970s and 1980s, I think that's us as well, we should say. Um, you know, this is Forrest are a, a gigantic totemic figure in recent English football history, precisely because of the influence of one of the greatest managers of all time, Brian Clough. Under him, they won two uh, European Cups, back-to-back European Cups. There's a fantastic book and film called I Believe in Miracles, which you should check out. It's wonderful. tells you the story of how this small team from uh, the East Midlands came to dominate Europe. Obviously, you know, as Clough aged and eventually retired, it set the scene for a new forest, which is kind of what we've known now for about 30 years. Um, Relegated a few times in the 90s. John and I, I'm sure we well remember them battling to stay alive in the Premier League. Likes of Stuart Pearce, Ian Woe, Nigel Jempson. These are all names that will mean nothing. Colin Calderwood. Mike Lahoud here. (laughs) Um, And then a lengthy exile. Um, Probably more time spent fighting to stay in or get into the championship than actually trying to escape it. But um, huge progress made last season under Steve Cooper. This was a good championship team, not a great one, that came up through the the playoffs with a, a victory over Huddersfield. And, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about this. That team has now been pretty much ripped apart or is being ripped apart with a, a raft of new signings. Now, I think it's fair to say that good championship teams often do need a lot of new signings. The balancing act here is can this can this coalesce into a team? They did build a really impressive identity and really good run of form at the back end of last season in the championship. All change and... I don't know uh, how how good it's going to be. Also, much love for them because they have no sponsors on their shirts this season, so they are right at the top of my Premier League kit rankings, money, which has been uh, <laughs> All right, particularly Mike, what, did, what are you what are you making of uh, Forest's transfer dealings so far this summer, Mike? Well, Ben, speaking of kits, if their away kit is your shirt. I'm all for it. I will buy one in a medium, large, whatever it takes, because I'm all about your shirt. Every time I see it, it lights up the room, lights up our show, lights up the world. Now to business. This is really unique. There's there's nostalgia in seeing them come back to the Premier League. I remember hearing about them as a Manchester United fan because another player that I'm I'm kind of hurt you guys didn't mention when it comes to Nottingham Forest, Roy Keane. Before there was Roy Keane of Manchester United, Roy Keane of Nottingham Forest. He was the one that put Nottingham Forest on the map for me as a young football fan. And to, to learn through his book about what it meant to be there, the culture, how big Nottingham Forest was when he was growing up. Uh, Brian Clough, you know, he singled him out as the, the best manager he's ever worked with. And that's a big compliment because he worked with Sir Alex Ferguson and won tons of titles. And now to the present, I think it's really unique compared to the other promoted teams, what they're doing in the transfer window. This is a Nottingham Forest team that is competing not just with the present day of Premier League hopefuls to stay up in the Premier League, but they're also competing with more of a storied past, I think, than the Fulhams or Bournemouth in the modern day Premier League. And that becomes a tricky situation. When you're a manager, do you reward loyalty to the group that's gotten you there? Or do you reward new talent that you know is going to bolster your squad, that you know is going to make it competitive? 
And so far, Nottingham Forest is choosing the latter of saying, you know what? We need to up our talent level. We need to up the strength of our team, and we need to up the Premier League experience and European experience of the current squad that we have. I think they're not well, really... Uh, oh, sorry, go, go on, on James. James. Um, well, I was just going to say, they're not really hugely upping the Premier League experience of this squad, aside from Jesse Lingard, very much yeah. the, um, the the lodestone at the moment of this rebuild. I mean, you have Dean Henderson in as well on loan, and obviously he's played quite a few games for Manchester United, but without ever kind of really having the pressure of being a Premier League number one goalkeeper. And we have to say as well, it is so different being in goal from for Manchester United compared to a team like Nottingham Forest that we expect to give up a lot of shots. A lot of business here being done in the Bundesliga. I think we've even seen at the highest level that getting Bundesliga players to translate their form into the Premier League can be a bit hit and miss. I think it's, um, mm. you know, the Bundesliga tax joke is very much overdone, but as with all overdone jokes, there is a sort of kernel of truth in the middle of it. So, I mean, we're talking a, a huge spend. I think 17 million on Nico Williams, 17 million on our 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 knee from uh, Union Berlin, who yeah. who was phenomenal. I thought in the Conference League. Yep. But I do I do question like how much have you lost in terms of chemistry and how, how you know you, that you have to rebuild. I mean, the preseason results, whatever store you put in them, they've not been amazing. Um, and you know how much. How much time will it take for this team to come together? I remember seeing this with, and I know we'll come on to talk about Fulham, but that mm. Fulham team that came up, the first of the, we're now on version three, version one. Everyone was, you know, praising because all the individual signings were, were phenomenal. We, I think we spoke about this, didn't we, a few weeks ago, JJ? Like, you know, pick up Jean Michel Serry from League 1 when he was being talked of as the next Manchester United central midfielder, picking up Sergio Rico, picking up uh, all sorts of players of that of that quality, um, Alfie Mawson as well. We were all rushing to praise it, but the team, no one knew, no one knew the best 11 at that tick club until late, late December at best. And I think that's kind of, that's my major worry with Forrest is how could Steve Cooper know his best 11? Uh, how, you know, there, there is a defined style of play. There is, you know, there are, and I, and I do want to credit them, for giving it for having a go at this, for really trying to strengthen their squad to stay up. I think we'll talk about other teams that maybe haven't done that. But you know, that's that's the risk that they're the sizable risk that they're taking, that it will just take too long to all come together. Yeah, I mean, there are risks, uh, you know, that this could be another Fulham from a couple of years ago, as you mentioned. But also you look at other clubs who have come up and done it recently, tearing up, you know, pretty much what was a tried and, and tested formula to get them out of the championship and then rebuilding for the Premier League, like my beloved Villa. Uh, and Mike, Mike was saying how Roy Keane put uh, Forrest on the map for him as a youngster. Well, the likes of Steve Stone, Franz Carr, Colin Calderwood all put Forrest on the map for me when I was younger because they ended up joining Villa. But Villa were one of those teams who, when they came up from the championship, they spent big, went for a lot of the kind of profile of players that James was mentioning that, you know, don't necessarily have Premier League, uh, you know, pedigree. Uh, just yet because they hadn't been tested in it. But, you know, they they were earning rave reviews in their respective leagues. And Villa ultimately managed to get just about enough chemistry, uh, you know, to, to get it over the line with a big helping hand from VAR, must be said. But, you know, ultimately that was a gamble that paid off. And I think that's perhaps the kind of example that Forrester are looking at, uh, you know, to, to try and follow or to try and set their blueprint. But, you know, I think as well, it, it does 
you know, unfortunately for him, you know, put Steve Cooper in quite a, a difficult position because the pressure is really going to be on for him from the beginning of the season. What do you make of that, Mike? I look at the forced team from last year and whenever a championship team comes up to the Premier League, I always start with the goal scorers because those are the players that are going to make or break your season. Can they translate to the next level, to the highest level in world football? And they have a youngster in Brennan Johnson, Welsh international, led the team in goals, I think 19 goals. And he was their EFL playoff run hero, scoring the two goals in the semifinals. And also, they speaking of Villa, they, it looks like they might be losing out on Keenan Davis, who Steven Gerrard has put a 15 million pound price tag on if Nottingham Forest are going to try and pry him away. He was on loan last season. And I've, I've, got, one thing to, I've got one thing to say about Davis. He's the mm. best striker you can find sort of in his age group until you ask him to finish a chance in front of goal. <laughs> He's got everything apart well, there, from finishing. That's well said because five goals for a player of his pedigree that has everything, as you said, the, the physical nature, the movement in the box. It's just a little thing about getting that round ball with, the, the, I think, the panels in the, the back of the net, which is what Premier League strikers are p- paid to do. Hence why reinforcements. I think getting Taiwo from Union Berlin is a very important signing for them because it's the fee that they were able to get. I was shocked that he went for that little because he was a menace in the Bundesliga. I got to watch him in the last few months where Union Berlin, they went, they, they secured fifth place. Whenever you have a player who puts a team on his back, I think that translates very well to coming to a Premier League team that's newly promoted because he's going to have to do that. He played against Union Berlin in preseason in one of the recent matches, matches and it wasn't for a lack of chances. And I think ultimately, once those chances start falling his way, a la a Patrick Bamford for Leeds when Leeds came back up, that that's what the saving grace of this Nottingham Forest is going to be. I think their strength is going to be in that front three of Johnson, Taiwo, and a one Jesse Lingard. And Jesse Lingard is going to have to play like Messi Lingard, not the Jesse of old who was the breakdancer for Manchester United. I, I would also throw out some players I'm really looking forward to seeing in the Premier League because one thing we have to say about Forest, even in the hard times, magnificently, magnificently productive academy. And these are the guys, and not all of them have, or actually, now I mentioned, I think two of the ones I'm most excited about have come up right the way through the Forest Academy. And what a story that mm-hmm. would be. Ryan Yates, wonderful box-to-box midfielder. I often play Nottingham Forest as my football manager set because <laughs> they've got, they've normally got a little bit of money in the championship. They've got or like you say, ta- like I say, talented youngsters um, and a fun team to build around and you feel like you can take them somewhere. Ryan Yates is a wonder kid for me. Every time, season in, season out, I get goals from him, give him the, the arm. The, cr- the, cr- the Chris, the, mo- the modern Chris Cohen, who was exactly. my hero. <laughs> he is the modern my, my university saves. Uh, <laughs> is he this, and, or, you know, what's the other guy? The, Michael Duff, this is, the, that's the levels we're talking, yeah. the happiness I get from him. And also Joe Worrell. Uh, one of the championship's best players last season in terms of progressive passes, my wife scout tells me. Uh, a really modern, high-quality ball player that's been linked with the Premier League for so long. And I think part of the excitement is that you kind of know that it, if it hadn't happened now, for players like, you know, as Mike was mentioning, the standout academy graduate, uh, Brennan Johnson, Joe Worrell, Ryan Yates, if it hadn't happened now, they'd have gone somewhere else and great for their career. But I think we all want to see Forest blend these new signings with these this fantastic group of youngsters they have. This is you are talking one of the 
underappreciated great academies of English football here at Forest. And I do hope that, and I'm, I'm certain because Steve Cooper is a World Cup winner at youth level. Like, mm-hmm. There is going to be a commitment to youth, I'm sure. Um, and if you if you balance that out with the top, you know, the top tier talent or, that you've got from the Bundesliga that you've got from Man United, yeah, maybe you're okay. I'm really torn back then, though. Yeah, there's a. I think there's a big temptation to say that they'll do a lot better than they probably will do. And I think at the end of the day, anything, you know, sort of, you know, just above the relegation places will be acceptable. You know, just have to consolidate, keep yourself in the league uh, and then build from there. Well, let's move on to Bournemouth, who obviously have been in the Premier League uh, more recently than uh, Forrest and Mike. Uh, I'm going to throw it down to you to to start with to look at what Bournemouth have or haven't been doing much of so far this summer because they seem to be fairly inactive, uh, you know, given the what you I think would fairly judge as you know quite a a relatively weak squad for for the Premier League. Yeah, this is one of the clubs that I worry about most because of the inactivity, and I think Scott Parker is putting a lot of faith in English talent, which is good for the English game. But let's look at some of the players that he's putting faith in. Let's start from the back. Give a round of applause for Gary Cahill making a Premier League return. The former Chelsea captain, former Chelsea legend. There's going to be a lot of... Aston stop. Villa legend for a bicycle oh, I'm kick sorry, against I forgot Birmingham about that team in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was he at Blackburn as well? Or am, I, am I making stuff up? Burnley on loan, Bur- I think. Okay, maybe that was it. But Gary Cahill... Hey, congrats to you, man. You you stuck it out. You went down. You came back up. His leadership is what Scott Parker is going to be putting a lot of stock in. And I could see this team being a team that soaks up a lot of pressure and tries to hit on the counter. One player that I'm, I've always been very high on for Bournemouth, but previously at Norwich, Todd Cantwell. Love this player. Think he's got that little bit of extra stuff. The Like the, the movie Space Jam where you, MJ special stuff. I thought before Norwich went down, he was showing that silky skill. He has that individual brilliance that he can come up with a moment of magic. And he did it against some of the biggest Premier League teams before Norwich went down. So I think he will have a point to prove. But outside of that, I, I really worry about this Bournemouth team. Um, James? I think it's... I'm I'm really intrigued by them. You know, kind of if we look at the transfer business, basically none at all. Um as we speak, I think Ryan Fredericks and there was one more player that came in on a free, uh, Joe Rothwell as well, who, you know, is a, did very well Blackburn Rovers last season. And then I'm kind of looking at this statistical profile a lot and there's nothing that, that grabs me. Don't take a huge number of shots. Actually very good at getting in the penalty area. And the one thing I would say is they've got a really nice thing, you know, XG per shot is nice and high at 0.14, which suggests when they're getting those shots away and often coming from the boot of, Dominic Solanke you know they are good quality efforts he's quite you know he's quite interesting in terms of if Bournemouth is to survive playing a team with a team that's not that dissimilar to the one that went down um years and years ago two years ago (laughs) years and years um it, it kind of is reliant on these guys some of them that went down the likes of Jefferson Lerma Solanke having taken a big leap forward I also note that they they did press quite a lot for a championship team. I think they led the championship in in passes allowed per defensive action, which is kind of the best metric we have for how frequently a team presses. Now, 
I think that that is one of those ones that I worry about. I mean, the, obviously the the last team to, to press so intensely in the championship were Leeds, but they were a very different level of team to a quite good Bournemouth team. And is that going to be a bit easy to pick off when you're not pressing against Preston North End and with all due respect to Preston and Reading, you're pressing against or you're attempting to set up a press against City and Liverpool. And I just think that, you know, with the exception of players like Cahill, is there the sort of battle-worn experience in this squad that is needed to go back up? And if we look at their transfer business, are they that bothered about going up? Is this a a year where you, you just test the guys out, make sure you're getting that cash injection, you're getting those parachute payments again, and then just see what happens in the championship next season? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I can say, sit here and say, "Oh, don't get carried away." That Nottingham Forest have made all these signings, and then tell you Bournemouth are doomed because they haven't spent loads of money. But Bournemouth do need to spend a little bit more money. There has to be a sort of balance here, and I think maybe strengthening that squad a little bit will be required. Well, isn't that part of the issue as well that surrounds Cahill? Because if I'm correct, I think his contract expires. So technically, he's actually not even a Bournemouth player at the moment. I don't know if that's something that could change between now and the beginning of the season. But, you know, losing out on that kind of experience, you know, would be a big, big blow as well. And let's not forget, you know, this is the same team as well that saw Arnaud Danuma join Villarreal. Another big chunk of, uh, of quality in the squad and obviously went on to light it up in the Champions League with surprise semi-finalist Villarreal but it does feel like outside of a few obvious names that jump out that there is maybe you know not the same kind of quality that would make you feel optimistic about their chances of staying up uh you know as many people do surrounding uh, the likes of Forest at the moment I don't know if that's something you maybe feel a bit differently about Mike I think when we talk about the Gary Cahill potential missing out on experience like him a player that i thought was excellent for them last season he was on loan though nathaniel phillips from liverpool there's just looking up something and it said that they're in talks to try and get him back and it's always difficult when it's gone this long and you've been this inactive but getting defensive pieces if you're going to go and be a pressing team in the premier league or be a mid-block team that still likes to be aggressive going forward you need players that are playing in first team setups from other teams and young hungry players who have a point to prove who already have a, a taste of working under the manager and i think a player like him that would be a very good addition for them who's hungry and, and waiting to burst out in the Premier League. Yeah, I think that would be uh, that would be a fair shout. Anything else you want to, to round off with the Cherries, James, before we take a break? Not really, no. Um, this I feels thought you love the kit. <laughs> I do love the kit as well, that lightning bolt. It, it feels... But then I think that you kind of need such a good kit. Oh, it feels like... You know, I don't. I, obviously, I you know, I'm a neutral here. I'm not too worried about this, but it just sort of feels a little bit like we've had this season quite recently. Obviously, it wasn't that long ago that Bournemouth went down. Mm. A beautiful ground, really enjoyed every time I've gone there. It's a nice little trip down to the seaside. But kind of when you combine that with Scott Parker coming back to the Premier League, when I kind of got the impression he struck was struggling a little bit with the tactical level there at Fulham when he was here recently, you know. It just feels a little bit like I'm not that excited and I don't even feel like Bournemouth are that excited. Like, give me something to, you know, like with Forrest, we could have kept talking about them probably for another 25 minutes. <laughs> with, you know, 
with uh, Bournemouth, it's sort of, is, that, is Gary Cahill still there? Which I do blame Mike for confusing the, muddying the waters there. Yeah, I just got it. It's hard I do. to get, it's hard to get that excited. I'm sorry. All right, all right guys, here's, here's, here's a question for you then. Are we putting Scott Parker on the sack race list with Frank Lampard? Because surely they have to be two <laughs> candidates right up there at the top of the early season, uh, hey, you know, sack race. Hey, Thomas Tuchel must be right near the, if we're doing it as, because then no one calls it the sack race anymore, do they do first manager to leave the job? All right. <laughs> Getting politically correct. No, let's let's keep it yeah. within the teams that we expect to struggle. I mean, who knows? Maybe Chelsea will emerge as early season relegation <laughs> battlers, but I very much doubt it. I think when we talk about Scott Parker, last time he was in the Premier League, it was really dire straits. And you could see you just he is this very serious demeanor and as a player he was always intense you know and he was a skipper and just a, a character guy warrior on the field but it, it seems like he's just so wound up being in the premier league that i wonder what we're going to see from him i thought he was you know i thought he was one of the better dress managers especially being a manager under stress that was the only stat i could give him i, I think what was a bit disappointing given the experience that he has as a player was under for Fulham, a lot of the games that they squeaked out results and trying to fight for their lives, it was down to moments of individual brilliance rather than a tactical masterclass. So as you said, Benj, I wonder how much he's developed over the course of being in the championship and getting a team back up to the Premier League. But I don't have too much of a good feeling about his ability to keep this Bournemouth team up. Um, in terms of the sack race question, JJ, I'm going to kind of save my answer for when we talk about predictions because I'm going to throw some established teams in there. But I think there are two. Yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I think that's a thinly veiled hint that he's going to throw Aston Villa. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think Steven Gerrard's a really good manager. I think there are two teams who finished last season fairly poorly who may at some stage reluctantly have to... Uh, spent with their managers but i might save that for the predictions and encourage people to to listen on the the intrigue has been set we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and chat fulham did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business taylor brands isn't just another tool it's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are a nominee for the Best Sports Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Vote for Kegolasso at podcastawards.com forward slash app forward slash sign up forward slash and then toggle on down to the Best Podcast category. The link is in the description. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get straight into it and look at the third promoted side to the Premier League and assess their potential survival chances. Fulham, James Benj, I know that you have a fair bit to say on Fulham over the last couple of years. So what are you making of this summer so far? I mean, the summer, well, I think it's very clear that Marco Silva wanted a bit more quality added to his squad. But I think kind of when we start, we need to remember the level at which Fulham performed in the championship last season. We talk about this as Mitro, but it wasn't. Mm. They were across the board, the best team in the championship by a country mile. And that doesn't kind of guarantee anything in the Premier League. It's very different. You play very different teams. But you're talking about a team that put up 106 goals, obviously Mitrovic scoring 41 of them. I think I think that they averaged about two expected goals a game. So it wasn't even like these were all bizarre hot streaks. Obviously, as you can imagine, every attacking metric, they lead the league by absolutely miles. 93 expected points. The last team to come up from the championship that had looked this good in the championship were Leeds. So I do think, you know, that you, you could make the case then, and these obviously, as we say, are players that have been battle-hardened by two relegations. You could make the case that all you need to do is is hone around the edges to to add some injections. Pre-season would not suggest that's the case. They've just been thumped by Benfica. There's a lot of frustration about the business that's being done. Um kind of, as I understand it, some of that is going to progress quite quickly. They've just brought in Kevin and Babu. I'm told they're quite close mm-hmm. to an agreement with Arsenal for Bernd Leno. So a new right back, new goalkeeper, two new players in midfield in Andreas Pereira and Joao Paulinha. I think I'm getting interested. I know when we spoke about on the Everton pod, I was quite dismissive and thought they'd go down. I'm coming round. I'm, I'm coming round to Fulham staying up. And also anyone that's thinking of like, you know, next season, I'd love to do a trip to England or go to a Premier League game, we all know Craven Cottage, JJ will back me up on best ground in the Premier League, although not very cheap. Re- re- recommended. I've done some funny away days there, not just Villa. I've done Shakhtar Donetsk in Europe, uh, Roma with the Roma fans. So it is brilliant. So anybody who gets the chance to do it, you have to get yourself down to the to the cottage. Mike, what are we swimming making pool of- on the Swimming pool on the top level. This is why it's so expensive to get a ticket. Just, just another reason to get yourself down there. Uh, well, I, t- I tell you what, after visiting you, JJ Benz, I'm coming straight to London to spend some time with you. We're going to peruse North London, see the Emirates, and then go to the swimming pool at the top level. Um, of course, that shirt has to be coming with or else I'm not coming on that trip. But when, with regard to Fulham, this is Mitrovic's world, part two, part three. And Fulham are just living in it. I mean, this guy broke the EFL championship record last year. Was it 43 goals and put Fulham on his back? I just wonder, though, some players, they they just have a niche in being part of a league that doesn't translate, for whatever reason, to another league called the Premier League. And they're putting a lot of stock, and rightfully so, for the season that he had. And maybe, you know, this is the time where the goals rain in in the Premier League. But given the last couple times this has happened for Mitrovic, 
I'd like to see them add a bit more depth. I think Rodrigo Munir was a, a good signing, young signing that came in from Flamingo for our last season. I'd like to see how he does in the Premier League. But at the striker position, I'd like to see them add a bit more depth if they can before the transfer window ends or you know, hopefully by maybe the January transfer window is what they're saving it for to see how this group that was so successful together last season performs. In the back line, let's give a shout out to the Americans. Anthony Robinson playing well for the U.S. national team, playing out of his mind for the U.S. national team. I wonder how he does in part two of his return to the Premier League. And Tim Ream, good on him for staying with Fulham. He's been at Fulham for what seems ages now. I played against Tim Ream in Major League Soccer. Very composed, elder statesman. I wonder how he's going to do with the more physical, just pacey attackers in the Premier League because last time out he really struggled against that sort of formidable attack. Is he going to get on the pitch, James Benj? We played a lot in the championship, and at the moment, as far as I'm aware, they've not replaced him. But no, I, I would be quite surprised. Like I think that you know, as as Mike alluded to there, and I'm sure you know someone he played against, and I'm sure knows a bit better than I. He wouldn't want to be too critical of him, but you know, I can maybe say this: if Tim Ream's playing 20 Premier League games for you, you're probably getting relegated. But you know, I mean, this is a. I would think that there will be business done. We've seen with Fulham. And maybe my critique of their past two seasons would be, and just what we were saying earlier, they leave it a little late to get these players in. I want mm. my centre back and my goalkeeper and my right back. I want them in quickly, you know, doing reps, especially when we're talking about a season that starts with them with, with some tough games. And there's five games before the window closes. I would certainly Tony Khan can can ill afford to just let those games go past, and, and Shahid Khan as well. But you know, I believe Shahid Khan just um, effectively. The, simply, he, he tran, translated some debt that the uh, club owned owed to him into shares, so freed up a bit of cash at Fulham to maybe strengthen that squad a little bit more. I know that um, his son Tony, who's the director of football, was was very much talking about how you know they can't just throw money at these problems; they do have to live within their means. I mean, Fulham fans will tell you those means have been improved a lot by the the price that they're charging for tickets, which is is exorbitant. Just on Metro, I mean. It is sort of, you know, I don't disagree with Mike. You know, we're looking at a player that scored 24 Premier League goals, nine assists in, in quite a few games. He's but I think for Serbia to, as well. He's, yeah. he, do, he plays well for Serbia against, yeah. you know, teams like Portugal. He gets goals when he's up against a Pepe in central defence. Like, when he got a good run of it in that first season, he did end up with 11 goals. I haven't checked. I'm sure a fair few of them are penalties, but 11 goals now is not anything to be sniffed at you know you, if you've got your main striker scoring that you probably need another player or two to weigh in with seven or eight but 11 it's not bad we're not in the era where you know you need a 25 goal striker to keep you in the Premier League and then the, the most recent season Scott Parker just didn't trust him it was the the running tail of Fulham's promotion that Mitrovic couldn't get on the pitch this guy you know we say this does his game not translate to the Premier League he's strong he moves really well. He's good in the air. His left foot is fantastic. His build-up play, you know, I've watched a lot of Fulham over the years because, as we say, great ground to go to. His build-up play is very underrated. I refuse to believe that you can't turn him into a okay Premier League striker, a Premier League striker who can be in a team that survive. I, I'm really talking myself around to to this Fulham team and I worry mm. I'm going to look fo foolish because especially <laughs> when they came up the first time I think I was talking about them finishing top half 
Mm. And there is, there is room for improvement. But like they were so good in the championship. And Marco Silva does know what he's doing in the Premier League. I like this team a lot. A bit, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that there are reasons to be to be optimistic. And as much as I'd love to bang on to you guys about Niskins, Cubano, and uh, Anthony Knockout, I mean, you look at some of the the, the mm. other bits that have been added to the team this summer. Harry Wilson, uh, I think, is a smart addition for for a newly promoted side, especially given how his loan went with them last season. Uh, Manor Solomon, I'm really curious to see how he adapts because he's somebody who's been highly rated now for quite a few years. Kevin Babu, who uh, James mentioned earlier, you know, somebody who's been a consistent performer for Wolfsburg despite the fact they've gone through a fairly tough time was playing Champions League football last season so you know I think if they do manage to get the burnt Leno deal over the line and then can perhaps turn their attention elsewhere you know there is a fairly solid squad that's going to emerge for for Marco Silva in the end it's just unfortunately for him you know I don't think the timing is quite there so it could be that they suffer uh you know a fairly slow start to the season but they could be a slow burner one of those teams that kind of picks up around Christmas time and then and then really starts to find their feet a la Newcastle but obviously for that to happen Newcastle had to make the managerial change so fingers crossed for Marco Silva who like you said does have you know quite a bit of, of Premier League experience now uh since he's been in England been coaching Hull, Watford and now and Everton and now Fulham. So, you know, somebody who definitely, you know, sort of knows what it's going to take for this Fulham side to stay up. Uh, it's just a question of whether he can get them to gel, uh, you know, pretty immediately. Mike, is, uh, is is Marco Silva the man to to keep Fulham up or do you think that he's going to be one of the, the bosses facing the chop early doors? Uh, absolutely. I think he is the man to keep them up because of the experiences he's had in getting chopped and changed. And he's he's been with this Fulham team through really this transition of Fulham for everyone involved from top down. When Fulham came up to the Premier League, it was let's just throw a bunch of money at it and try and fix it with flashy names and up and coming names. He's got more savvy. He's going to be more outspoken already. He's getting on the board a bit, getting on ownership to say, hey, we need signings. Let's move things a bit faster and signings will come. He's a manager that can get you the big result. He can grind out a result if needed. He can play a team off the park. But I think his experience in England, getting players to adapt, I think the fact that they they got rid of Carvalho to Liverpool, they transferred him for five million pounds, which I'm I cannot believe a player of that talent only went for five million pounds. Well, they didn't have a choice. He, he he signed on a on a free, and they Liverpool had to pay them five million as compensation. Five million pounds for a tagger like that is still like, wow. Mm. It's, it's more kudos to, I say that, to say what a talent he was for Fulham last season. To miss a player like that who was so pivotal to Mitrovic's goals and now replace him with a player like Andres Pereira, who on his day, he, he can provide you with that magic. I, I think they're filling in some of that void from last season through him and then just building down the spine with the pending arrival of Leno, I think that is going to really bode well for this Fulham team and and because they have the right manager. Yeah, well, we will see if that turns out to be the case. Uh, now, James, you know, you, you hinted at some some intrigue for this next part, so we're going to break into our predictions. Uh, I'm going to put it to you now. Who will be the three teams uh, who ultimately end up getting relegated from the Premier League and who are your surprise candidates to potentially be sucked into that relegation battle? Yeah, so I have 
obviously, as you could um, tell maybe from our conversation earlier, Bournemouth, I think, are going to go down. Um, and I, I don't think there's probably anyone here that would really debate that too much. Forest, I just look at it and I just think it's too much that needs to come together. There are too many unknowns there. And I worry that they will go down. But both my favourites for the sack race and the sort of teams I think might drop into this race. And I struggle to pick one. Um, Southampton are doing the sort of really excellent business that you would say a a model well-run club should do. Buying young, the likes of uh, Bazuanu, Romeo Lavia as well, adding to Livermento and guys they've picked up before. It's a great way to run a club if you can't get relegated, but they might. Uh, and therefore, I worry that for Ralph Hassan, who taught, obviously he has huge backing, and Southampton have, have stayed with him and by him through thick and thin and nine nils, multiple. So for that reason, the guy I think may lose his job quite early and whose team may get relegated, and I would actually put in 18th, and this is quite left field, is Wolves, who were pretty atrocious in attack for most of the season. Um, you know, it once you go and wipe out those early games where they tried some more attacking stuff and it didn't work out, they were massively outperforming their expected goals. They have lost now, as we speak, they've lost their star striker, Raul Jimenez, who obviously has also struggled for many other reasons. I don't see where the goals come from. Jean Moutinho is only going to get older. I wonder if Ruben Neves can keep it up and if they can keep hold of him. Say he has a great World Cup, Manchester United may well come calling. So I have Wolves going down and therefore I think kind of in those circumstances, you have to think that Bruno Large might be losing his job quite early in the season. Yeah, that's an interesting shout. Um, mm. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one back to the conversation that we had about a week ago. Uh, I'm curious now that that James has moved Fulham out of the out of the relegation fight for the moment. We discussed Everton at length, so I think everyone accepts yeah. that even if they won't necessarily be in the bottom three, they're probably going to be scrapping away against it. But the the club that I still think, despite the signing of Ben Mee, uh, you know, may well struggle down towards the wrong end of the table is Brentford. I still don't see enough within their ranks at this moment in time. And obviously that could change between now and the beginning of the season to suggest to me that they're going to find it easier the second time around. We've seen the likes of Sheffield United struggle with that second season syndrome. Do you agree with that, Mike? Or is there, do you have a, a surprise candidate? You're going to, you're going to troll me with an Aston Villa shout. <laughs> no, geez. Am I, am I that predictable now? If I am, I'm sorry. No, no Villa shout, you know, Benj before you got the uh, Gabriel Jesus, I was going to say Arsenal, but uh <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay away We're from those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I That might be for next uh, show to discuss because I'm very high on this Arsenal team right now. I'm going to go with Everton. I think that there is more problems than meets the eye. And last season, there were a lot of problems. Um, they just lost one of their leading goal scorers in Richarlison to Tottenham. And... When you look at this team, the the identity, I don't really know what type of team they are. And I don't think Frank Lampard really does. And it's preseason, but whenever you go to the States and you get walloped 4-0 by a Major League Soccer side this close to the start of the Premier League, it's a bit of a rude awakening for what could be coming 
Everton's way. It's sad to see even Americans talking down MLS. So imagine if your colleagues at Austin FC could hear you talking about this, the ignominy of losing if you're an English team. I mean, Des has put this in the chat. This is how we'd headline this. Former MLS player denigrates MLS. This is this is so, so sad, so Eurocentric. It's, you know, we're supposed I'm to be just, MLS on MLS violence. I'm just, I'm just saying from a lover of the game, for a former respect, Spanish point, for Frank Lampard, if you're a Premier League team, the MLS is not the Premier League. Playing so, the MLS... I've been on the bad end of results <laughs> against teams getting promoted, teams in the Premier League. I think that the fact typically you don't see results like that this close to the start of the Premier League season. Now, mind you, the Premier League season starting earlier than in seasons past. But if this wasn't coming off the heels of a tumultuous season for Everton, and there's definitely reasons for that, Carl Ancelotti going to Madrid, Frank Lampard coming in at the last hour to try and save this team, which he does barely. I just, there's just too much going on for Everton, too many cracks in the pavement still for me to say that they're going to survive. So, just so I've got this straight, Mike LaHood, former MLS player, is saying <laughs> Frank Lampard should have resigned on the spot because he lost a match to an MLS team. Is, have, have I got you correct there? <laughs> no, that is far from correct. You were putting words in my mouth, Benj. I'm not going to stand for that. Well, JJ, pick it up. Pick it up. No, no, no. Pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, maybe if Everton do end up, uh, you know, axing Lampard early in the season, you'll have Rooney withdrawn from his uh, his, his loan <laughs> spell with DC United and coming all the way back uh, to, to English shores. All right, let's try to narrow this down now to a solid three that we think are going down. So I think the only team at this moment in time that we have unanimously going down is Bournemouth. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got one, one of three. So we'll go, we'll start through the promoted sides. James said Nottingham Forest to go down. Mike, you agreeing with that? Or are you saying that Forest stay up? I, I think they go down unless they can continue to work a few more wonders in the transfer window. They've already done well to get some reinforcements, but I don't think it'll be enough. All right. So that's two out of three. I still think that Forrest can do a Villa and survive on the last day, if not before, mm. but we will see. Uh, so for the moment, we have Bournemouth and Forrest. Fulham, are, are we all feeling optimistic enough about them that they managed to stay out of the drop zone? Oh, I uh, never feel like... optimistic about <laughs> Fulham. I, even when they were you know, when they were beating Villa in the playoff final, I wasn't optimistic. But I... Oh. I don't even know if this is my heart leading my head. Just I really <laughs> like covering Fulham games. I think they're going to do it. I, think, I mean, and we're talking like, I, I think what we can say is the, the team, there are about half a dozen teams that I think you can maybe throw a blanket over this season. I don't think it will be like four at the bottom for most of the season. I think mm. this will be quite a fun relegation battle to make up for the dross we'll have at the top of the table. Um, as Liverpool and City just thump each other week in, week out. Um, I think Fulham are going to do it, though. There we go. I think. There we go, Benj. All right, and the, the full America vibes are uh, still living on in, uh, in, in Tim Ream and uh, Anthony Robinson. Okay, well then, 
if we're keeping Fulham up, that means we've still got two or three, so one space left. Uh, Benj had a couple of good shouts, Southampton, Wolves, I put forward Brentford, and we're mm. sort of tiptoeing around Everton as the potential third team. Do we have a unanimity uh, for one of those clubs uh, You know, to fill that relegation zone with Forest and Bournemouth? Mike, are you feeling any one of those uh, three? I know you said Everton, so I guess that's one vote for them. James, the Toffees, are they going to stay up? I think it's not... It, mine, I think it's a fair compromise. You know, this, that, that is the spirit we must bring into these podcasting endeavours. And my slightly <laughs> mad... Like, I, I also, I get to write a column on this. So mm. we can compromise here and I will go away and write a column where I say Wolves are going to get relegated. So mm. in the spirit of equanimity and also because this way I'm covering my back, I can say, <laughs> well, yeah, no, on the podcast I said Everton will go down. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Mike on Everton. Yes. So I, well, I don't know if I can say any more on Everton, Frank Lampard, because I, I don't want to be the ultimate denigrator of Major League Soccer. So you've I might already have to... done enough damage. <laughs> Ben's his column, Michael. They're bringing, they're, they're bringing um, apparently they're bringing Dwight McNeil back into the Premier League, which I'm really excited. About. I mean, I actually think it's a really good move for them because what he sort of his stock trade. Um, I was saying to someone yesterday, his stock trade is basically putting in balls into the box that look really good. And you would sort of, the commentator would say, oh, we had a right to expect that someone would be there. Um, maybe with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, someone will be there, but also he has been uh, he has been aiming at, at Burnley strikers for the last few years. So the fact that he's not been hitting their heads does is questionable. I can't believe I've taken this podcast off on a Dwight McNeil tangent, but there you go. It sounds like, it sounds like the kind of service that Mitro could do with to confound his critics, <laughs> his numerous critics. Oh, Never me. Well, I, I will, I will throw a surprise shout in. That's uh, it has, it has MLS ties on a positive note. So a team that is putting a lot of stock into the American pile, Leeds United, and I'm very intrigued to see how this Leeds team does. It's Leeds Red Bulls 2.0. Being Jesse Marsh bringing a lot of his former players, is a lot of coaches and managers do. Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson's the Americans who are on the rise for the U.S. national team playing in the Premier League. Really excited to see them. But if they don't hit, Leeds could be in trouble. Jack Harrison had a phenomenal season last season, individual season. They lost Rodrigo, which is a massive loss. We're already seeing what he's doing for FC Barcelona in preseason. I think he's going to have a good season for them. And that's putting a lot of stock and pressure on the young Americans who I think could step up. And if they step up and hit, Leeds could make a surprise move up the table. But I think they're a team that we're not talking about yet because it's a lot of new faces who all need to hit to have a successful season and survive. Although they do have one old face coming back who I think could make quite a big difference in, in Patrick Bamford. It's kind of hard to know because everyone was so, when they were good, it was so about, it was about mm. putting that Bielsa assistant onto the pitch so effectively. And it's obviously clear that Jesse Marsh is, is honing that, making it a little bit more realistic and not the sort of one that might win 6-0 or lose 6-0. Um, I mean, I'm also intrigued, you know, the big... I think Mike Goodman was saying this on his podcast, so I'm stealing it. 
uh, everyone's sort of been saying, well, the, the, you know, the fitness issue that will hopefully be solved as well this year. But the big fitness problem they had was that Cal- Calvin Phillips wasn't available to them. Well, Calvin Phillips still isn't available to them. And mm. I thought he was a huge part of what made Liv- uh, Leeds one of the, the most fun stories of, of 2020, 2021. Um, so can Tyler Adams really replace that? I mean, Mike, you probably know better than me. Um I have my doubts. I, I think Calvin Phillips, as is evidenced by the fact he's gone to City, will be really hard to replace. And I think that will make it hard for Leeds. Um, and yeah, people keep throwing in teams into the mix that I think ooh, they could get relegated to. Yeah, I think that's a great point you make. And Tyler Adams is a different sort of player. I think what Calvin Phillips gives you on the ball, I mean, he's a when he was younger, he was an attacking midfielder that be also transformed into a deep line playmaker we saw his quality in the euros for england his ability to get forward from that deep line position to dictate tempo tyler adams is more of kind of that that guy who covers a lot of ground very fit can play multiple positions he will be the six four leads the defensive midfielder and i think his ability to cover ground a la i'm not saying he's in gola conte but that is the mold of that player almost has like a third lung in there, the, the guy who can graft and block shots and, and really allow some of your attacking players to stay higher up the field in transition. But it's a lot to ask of a player coming to the Premier League for the first time. I think that's a fair shout. Now, time for final word, guys. We've uh, already thrown a couple of uh, unexpected teams into the mix for relegation. We've been speaking about Brentford, Wolves, Southampton. Uh, so final word for, from you guys in terms of how you're hoping the uh, the, the relegation battle uh, shapes up. I just want that absolute insane last day drama that the relegation mm. battle always... I mean, how good was last season? It ended with those Rafinha celebrations that might well have been a Renaissance painting brought brought to life. This is always the bit of the Premier League that delivers the stress, the strain. I don't think anyone can really understand just how how earth-shattering relegation from the Premier League, especially our US listeners who don't even get to enjoy relegation. Like This is earth-shattering, biblical um, stuff that can happen, especially if it's an established Premier League team, like some of the ones we were mentioning. Um, the, the tension, the drama, is it, it, it is always unmissable in the Premier League, and I think it's one of the things that makes the league so great. James Benz bringing up pro rel. You're really sending Ooh, Mike Lahoud into murky gosh, waters. I'm, Don Garber is going to be on the phone with us. I am. Good thing podcast. I wore my diaper this morning. <laughs> I didn't take it off. For, I know letting out too much of my personal life, but good thing I have that on because it's just tingling stuff, Ben. Just this tingling stuff that you're putting out there. I think on my end, let's say I'm a Fulham train. Marco Silva, just what he went through from Watford, Lee or Fulham, and now coming back to the Prem, I'm really pushing for him. And I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Cam, Cam Norris. He's a massive Fulham FC fan. He's been, every year he takes a, pays homage to pilgrimage to Craven Cottage, and it leads me to this: I cannot wait to show up at your doorstep, bench with him. We're going to go to that pool, rooftop pool, and we're going to watch and take in as Fulham FC beat Arsenal 6-0. I'm just going to predict it. (laughs) I just want them to stay up just for that reason so we could see this happening in sometime in the near future. But, no, really pulling for uh, Marco Silva. I think he's a really good coach. He's a character guy, and I, I think he'll have his team ready for this Premier League season. 
All right, looking forward to the social media meltdown. Uh, you know, when that does happen uh, and, and Mike rocks up on James's doorstep. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to Kegel Lasso. Please take a minute to nominate us for the best sports podcast in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Link in the description. Don't forget, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube, visit us there. From James Benj, Mike LaHood, and I. We'll see you next time.